The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Ops, ops, ops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. All right. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. To my left is Billy I. Candy Kimsey. Uh, come on, man. I don't have another candy joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, for those of you who don't know, we record two Ooh. every other Thursday, and he only brings one. Do your research. <sighs> I, I, oh, Hold okay. on. What what do we come up with? The Charleston y'all, y'all come up with like Laffy Taffy and the Charleston uh, Char- Chew. What yeah. was it? What was it that we what said? What am I eighty? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. You, yeah. you and Andy were. Do your were like uh, I'm as creepy as an old man with his Werther's original <laughs> in a van. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man. Jeez. Man. Straight. Oh, sorry, Ralph. You, you, you've got a van. <laughs> Straight out of Compton. They represent. <laughs> Ralph Hicks, the creeper in the van. <laughs> hey, at least he didn't call you old. Right? Right. You can have the van. At least yep. you're not old. That's right. To my right, Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. I said, hey. I'm trying new things. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Today, we have a very special guest. This is a longtime friend of mine and my parents and um, your daughter and my sister are like sisters and they've been around. Janice Anderson, welcome to the Burroughs of Berea. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here on this special testimonies episode. Like I did whenever Michael came, I've got a joke, but I got a really good one. But before I get into the joke- He always says he has a good joke. That's true. He does say that. (laughs) They're great for me. Okay. The- uh, the sad news, and I, if, for those who haven't heard, yesterday Gilbert Gottfried uh, passed away. I did not know that he's until you guy, said that five minutes ago. Yeah, he's the guy that voiced uh, Iago in Aladdin, and uh, he's done a lot of you know the celebrity roasts. He's uh, he's got that two guys walking. I can't do yeah, it. But, that you wasn't know, that wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, bad. He's just got that really. So. I hate that. I hate that. Um, he was only sixty-seven years old, so we've lost a you know a he couple. Was, comedians he was funny. Year. I liked him. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was funny. He was. He was rough. Careful what you Google with Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Have you ever heard the Aristocrats joke that he did? Yeah, yeah. it was. It was literally like three weeks after nine eleven. And he did a couple of jokes, and people were booing. He was like, "Oh, too soon!" <laughs> and then he does the aristocrats joke, and it's so bad, like it's awful. But it's, yeah, it's clear it, like, a room bad on purpose. But it yeah. completely like shifted the whole room that night and made it funny again, and yeah. people started laughing, which was what they needed yeah. after the you know nine elevens. All right, so here we go. This is a twofold joke, and I have literally worked this out to try to make it work. So I'm hoping that I don't mess it up. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you always, you know, I always tell the heaven jokes, right? With Larry the Fifteenth Apostle standing at the mm-hmm. gates. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so there's a redhead, a brunette, and a blonde that are at the gates. But I'm going to tell you how they got there first, okay? So the redhead, the brunette, and the blonde are standing in front of a firing squad, and they're both, they're all looking at each other and like, I just wish I could get out of this. I just wish I could get away. And they're like, well, maybe we could, maybe we could do something to distract them. And they're like, yeah, what could we do? And they're like, I don't know. Like, maybe one of us could just run and the others could get away. And they're like, no, 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 that's not going to work because somebody's going to get shot. And so they're like, maybe what we could do is we could like, like one of us could scream and they would look and then we could run. 
they would just look away and we could run. And they're like, that's a great idea. So the blonde goes, fire! (laughs) (laughs) So these three women are standing at the gates of heaven. In front of Larry the Fifteenth Apostle, so Larry the Fifteenth Apostle looking at the book is like, "Wow, this is this is uh, pretty interesting. You all died at the same time under the same circumstances, and there just so happens to be one room left, you know, in the the top tier of heaven." He said, "And you see those stairs over there? It's like a hundred stairs." He's like, "What I'm going to do is uh, I'm, we're going to walk up the steps, okay, and we're all going to walk together, and I'm going to tell jokes on my way up, and if anybody laughs, you don't get the room. So hopefully, you guys can make somebody will make it up there." So they get to the very first step, and they step up on the first one, <laughs> and Larry says, so, how do you get men to stare at a brunette? And so they're just looking at each other, and they're like, I don't know. And so he goes, get rid of all the blondes. And so the redhead just starts dying laughing, you know, and the boomy's like, sorry, you don't get to go to the top tier. Get off the steps. So there she goes. She gets to go to regular heaven. Whatever that is, watch out for the ducks. So, <laughs> so anyway, the the brunette and the blonde they continue walking up, and they get about halfway up to the top, halfway up, and he goes, "Okay, next joke." He said, "What do you call a redheaded ninja?" And so they're just sitting there, like, mm, I don't know. And he goes, "That's easy, a ginger." <laughs> so the brunette just she's dying laughing. She thinks it's hilarious. She's like, "Nope." Go down the steps. You don't get the special place in heaven. He was like, now, as long as you can make it to the blonde, the rest of the way up, he said, all you have to do is just not laugh. So they just keep going. They keep going. They get to the 999th step. And he goes, okay, next joke. And she busts out laughing. And he's like, what are you doing? I didn't even tell the joke. She goes, I just got the first two. <laughs> so there are 100 steps, and now they're at the 999th? Yeah, see? That's what happens in heaven. It's None like of the numbers count. Stereo. It's like that staircase in Mario. You have to admit, though. You have to admit. I worked very hard making those two jokes work together. Yeah, yeah that did. was a good one. There was a lot of little puns and funnies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good yeah, job, yeah. Rick. You can't even come up with two eye candy comments. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'll work on that next time. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, so, Janice, on to you. So... <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that was an excellent callback. That was a callback. Uh, yeah. Is this going to be as a was, As was the yeah. duck one. I appreciated the duck callback. Yeah. 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 I use the duck callback a lot. If you haven't heard it, the one about the ducks. Yeah, it's on a previous podcast. You have to listen in order to get how this all works. You know. Anyway, so Janice, we want you to bring your testimony. And I sent you a few questions. And I just wanted to ask you... Um, all of us have brought our own testimony, you know, in some fashion, in our, or at least our life story. And, you know, this podcast is about, you know, learning the Bible, getting rid of some preconceived notions, you know, like getting it up. But one of the things we like to do is hear what Jesus did in people's lives. That's what we want to do, you know. And so one of the first questions I ask everyone is, when was the first time you ever heard the name Jesus that you can remember? Probably back as far as I could remember. Yeah. Yeah, I was raised in church. Okay, so from birth, like yes. you were just you were raised in church. Mm-hmm. What, what church was that? Uh, we started out at Bingham Heights Baptist Church. Is that where is that here? Local? In Emma. Oh, it's in Emma. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So your parents were Christian, mm-hmm. and so you were raised in a Christian home. Yes. So tell us, tell us how, 
like, let's get you from that point, from when you first heard of Jesus, to your salvation. So how old were you when you think that you, when that happened? Well, I heard you ask this question before. <laughs> when I was probably about six or seven, I'll never forget, it was one Sunday morning, they had the altar call, my mom had went up, and I just really felt an urge to go up to the altar. And I think she thought I was just following her, and so she, you know, kind of shushed me back. So I got in the car, and I was so upset, and I told her, I said, I really wanted to be saved this morning. She felt terrible, and I can't remember if she called the preacher and he came to the house, or if we, you know, uh, we did it the next Sunday, you know, and we prayed. But I mean, as a child, you know, as much as I knew about what I wanted, you know, with the Lord to be saved, you know— I don't know that I fully understood the concept of it. Sure. So, and I was raised, like I said, raised in church. Uh, I met my husband, Ronnie, through got my dad sang in a gospel group, and they ended up coming for an interview, and they started playing guitar. That's how I met Ronnie. Was, oh, okay. um, he, he will tell you that my dad introduced him to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, we— we're doing church. We got married. I got married young at 16, and uh, we stayed in church till, goodness, we got, well, we had Corinne. We got pregnant really early in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Corinne was born without a brain, and um, we were I was told in the hospital she wouldn't live three months. And I said, well, then I want her in the room with me. I want to be with her every moment till I don't have her any longer. So uh, that was 40-something years ago, and so the, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. And they were hoping I was going to send her to a home for people, or you know, the, where they take care of little kids that can't take care of themselves. Sure. And the closest one was like four hours away. So I, I brought her home with me. And she lived for 19 months. Uh, they told us the only reason why she did is because we brought her home and showed her unconditional love. And, you know, I was there with her till the last moment. We were in church at the time, and, you know, I was just continuing to trust God. But I really don't know how close I was. I'm not sure how my relationship was with God was at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still young. Then I got pregnant with Brooke mm -hmm. uh, about a year, not even a year later after I, we lost Corinne. And uh, I, we started going to Candler House Prayer. And those women, they, knowing that I had lost a child, they were so sweet. I mean, they would come and pray for me about every service. I had one lady that come to my house sometimes and, and just pray. And so I, I really feel like there was a special calling on Brooke's life just because of that. They really spent a lot of time with her yeah. doing that. Well, Brooke was born six weeks early. She wasn't breathing well when she was born. And I had a really hard time. I didn't want to touch her because I thought she was going to die. I really did. She was, of course, premature and... They were having a hard time getting her to breathe, so they just sent me to my room, and she was in ICU, pediatric ICU, and I laid in there thinking, you know, I can't go through this again, and I just can't believe it. And anyway, long story short, Dr. Garby comes in. He's like, what's wrong with you? I said, what's wrong with my baby? And he said, she's perfect. She Her temperature had dropped through the night, and they'd put her under heat lamps. I mean, I walked up to the window. and She had patches on her eyes, and she was under this thing. I didn't know what it was. It was a heat lamp. So as soon as I found out she was okay, pretty much perfect, I poured my life into hers. 
And, um, I mean, I was the hover mom mm-hmm. for most of her life. Um, she was three or four when we met your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And um, we were still doing church. Brooke was, she ended up being six or seven when I got a third shift job right down the road. It was kind of odd that we come. I wasn't sure where the location was, but I worked at Silly Corporation for oh, okay. 11 and a half years. But when I first started there, I started on third shift. Now, I'm very, I mean, I'm, I'm naive. I was sheltered. I hadn't been in the working world, and I was thrown into the the den. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the folks on, the, on third shift um, were party animals, and I was this little Christian girl that hadn't heard a dirty joke. And I mean, I was—I just—I was felt like I was out of place. But you know, I, I continued to work and continued to be invited to parties. I don't know how long I worked there before I—I I caved. And uh, I told—I told Ronnie we were—I mean, I was singing in the choir. I was going to Sunday school. I was teaching Sunday school. You know, I was loving my life. I loved church. We were at Candler House of Prayer, and it was just amazing. But we went to a party, and uh, and it, it was just, it started. I mean, it was like a snowball effect, and it didn't take long. Ronnie started working out of town, and I was hanging out with folks who were doing cocaine. I said I'd never do anything like that, and you know, started drinking, and and I just didn't feel right walking back in church, living that life. I couldn't do the double thing. I just couldn't do it. So I we quit going. And I don't think either one of us were at a place spiritually that, you know, like the head of the house, you know, the Bible talks about the man being the head of the house and, right. you know, being the leader, the spiritual leader. And we just weren't there and with our walk with the Lord yet. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to walk away. I mean, we just did. And for three and a half years, taking Brooke out of church, and Brooke loved church. She did. Hmm. But for three and a half years, I partied, you know, like it was 1999. <laughs> I just partied like a crazy woman. But um, about three and a half years into that, I found out I was pregnant with Jared. And um, I guess I was probably, I was close to two months pregnant when I found out. Hmm. And I mean, I had partied up till that moment, and I just stopped Everything, cold turkey. Now, I had never understood the power of addiction at this time, but I knew that I was pregnant and that had to quit. And I became this evil person. (laughs) It was hard. I mean, you know, I didn't understand. Everybody still wanted to come over and hang out because that was the place to hang. And and I couldn't. And so I just, I made my life and everybody else's around me miserable while I was pregnant with him. But when Jared was born, he was... Perfectly normal, healthy, eight pounds and three and a half ounces. I mean, he's a big boy. And when I brought him home, I said, you know what? I've been clean almost. I didn't think about it being clean, but I had been away from that lifestyle for almost nine months. And I needed to get my kids back in church. Mm -hmm. So we started going down to that little church in Fletcher, and Mandy was going with us. And I think your mom and dad started going with us for a little while. And, you know, and I loved it. And House of Praise? Um, Wasn't it something like that? Fletcher House of Prayer. Fletcher House of yeah, something, something. like that. I can't remember. It's right across from my shop. Yes, that's where my shop is. It's right across there. That little church right there. Yeah. So um, anyway, we hadn't been going there long. Jared was eight months old, so we'd been going there for about eight months. Um, when I got a phone call from my brother 
my middle brother, that our youngest brother, Gary, was in the hospital, and I needed to get up there, that from the test they had run so far, they thought he had leukemia. Well, I didn't understand the power. I didn't know what a leukemia was. I really didn't understand any of that. And I said, well, okay. So, you know, I get up there. And my mom and dad had just bought property at Holden Beach and um, North Carolina North Coast. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were down there working on their property. So I get up to the hospital, and my brother said that it had been confirmed they'd done a spinal tap and that he had leukemia. He was 18. And I really didn't understand the severity of that. So we decided to call my mom and dad and let them know that Gary was in the hospital and that they might want to come home. We didn't tell them what they had already found out. So when they come off the elevator, there's me and Ronnie, uh, my brother and his wife, our pastors, his pastors, and my granny and grandpa. And when they come off the elevator, I, of course, was elected to tell them and again, I'm still not understanding what, how bad leukemia was. I said, well, they found out that he's got leukemia. Well, my dad just hit the floor. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with him? You know, we're, he's going to be okay. He's 18. I mean, he's young. He'll, they'll figure it out. And that was on Monday. Um, and they sent him to Mission Hospital. He ended up in ICU at Mission Hospital two days later, and then they flew him, or they were going to fly him with the Mama helicopter, had only been flying for a little bit, down to Winston-Salem Baptist Hospital because they had a um, some type of a blood thing they could do down there where they pump the blood out of the body and separate the white and red blood cells. Anyway, so they took him down by emergency ambulance, and we were only down there for a day, and he died on the next day. He was... We found out on Monday, and he died on Thursday. So, yeah, wow, that's, and that was not expected yeah. by you at all. No, and my my dad, my family. I mean, it just it just tore me up because I had stood on everything. I wouldn't let anybody talk any negativity. I had my Bible out. You know, I was this little preacher. I'm saying, you know, if we can't say nothing, don't say nothing negative. We're just trusting God for healing. You know, God's going to heal him. He's going to come up out of this, and he didn't. So when we got home, you know, we went through that. I mean, my brother was my everything. We was tight. And we went through the motions of the funeral and everything. And about two weeks later, we decided to go back to church. And we're in there doing the service. And at the end of the service, preacher's like, you know, I really feel like somebody, you know, needs a healing today. So just come down. Let's just pray. And we're just going to believe God for healing and I'll never forget how I felt. I grabbed my stuff, and I was like, no, he don't. And I turned around, and I walked out. I said, you know, I'm done. I'm done with that. And I didn't, again, realize the power of addiction. And it, I, when I went back, it was worse than it ever was to start with. There was a hole on the inside of me that just couldn't be filled. I never—it took me a long time to not be so broken, probably about 10 years after Gary's death. But about two years after Gary died, me and Ronnie divorced. I mean, we we both, I mean, I went off into such a deep hole in my addiction, and I just felt like a shell of a person. I, I don't even know how to explain it. So when we divorced, um, I moved out to the mobile home park that your mom and dad lived in. Mm-hmm. And I'd done that. Because I love my kids. I wanted my kids to have some kind of 
life. I mean, things has been so chaotic for my kids anyway with the situation between me and Ronnie that, you know, I, I wanted them to have some sort of normalcy. And I figured that with at Brooke's age and as close as her and Mandy already were, that that, that would help. So that was in 93, moved the trailer out there. And then the blizzard came. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, it's so funny. But anyway, um, we didn't live out there long, though. Um, I ended up marrying one of the guy, one of the guys that I worked with at Silly Corporation. Um, he was such a friend when all this happened, and I was so broken, and I was still trying to work. Um, he was just always a gentleman, and. I guess I just kind of needed that. I needed that shoulder to lean on, and we got married way too soon. I mean, he was a good man, and he didn't deserve all this crazy mm -hmm. that he was getting. And, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even think about it. I, and, you know, Ronnie will tell you, we was I was waiting on my divorce to get married again. And so that, we moved to Weaverville. We built this beautiful house, but it never became a home. We never had God in it. Um, I hadn't. We hadn't been out there long till he talked me into looking for a business, doing something outside of work because he was over maintenance and stuff out there, and I was crazy. I mean, I was, and I, I was probably embarrassing him, if the truth be known. But anyway, um, I'm sure I was. So I ended up buying the embroidery business mm -hmm. from a lady out in Brevard, and I set it up in the basement of the house. Now I'm a people person. So I get it, get the business set up in the basement, and I start working. I'm I'm isolated, and you know what what isolation is, man? It's the devil's playground. <laughs> it really is. I mean, put you in a place like that. I'm still not whole, and still in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up dabbling with what it was called crank at the time. It's kind of like the the early stages of meth. But it was crank, mm -hmm. and uh, done that like crazy till I ended up ruining my marriage, marriage number two. About three and a half years into it, we divorced. Ronnie moved Jared in with him and became the primary parent in our custody thing. You know, he never took my parental rights away from me, but anyway. So Jared moved in with him, and I moved out. I moved the business in over on Fanning Bridge Road into a house with a garage, set the business up again and tried to get it up and running, but I was not good. Got on hanging out with folks that were doing crack and all kinds of goofy stuff. And I mean, it was one thing led to another. My life was continuing to go down this dark hole that I didn't feel like I, could, I was ever going to be able to come out of and ended up getting evicted from the house because... Um, I can't pay the rent. I can't pay my business payment. I mean, it's one thing or another. So I moved into a little cinder block house out in Mills River, a little bitty, tiny two-room house. And um, But what was the convenient on the other end of the road was the, was the crack house. I mean, you know, so it was like McDonald's. And I, anyway, so I was <laughs> content. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's terrible. <laughs> but I mean, that's just where my life was. And, you know, my parents... 
my mom, they didn't know what I, what was going on, but they knew that I had changed so much. I didn't go to family functions. I didn't want to bring my mess into their lives. And I avoided them as much as possible because I respected them for one thing, you know. My mom never stopped praying for me. So I'm here today because of her prayers. Mm. I know it with all my heart. There's a lot of mothers out there praying for kids. Yes. Don't quit. Don't, don't quit. quit. Please don't quit. Don't yeah. give up on them. But um, it wasn't long. I had moved the business again. I mean, I, it just it, I, it was just. I ended up going to Hickory. I was doing some contract embroidery work for a guy that had a small embroidery business in Hickory, and he encouraged me to bring my stuff down there, and he'd help me get all my bills caught up and everything because I was ready to shut the doors. Right. And so I moved down there thinking, okay, I'm going to nip this little drug habit in the bud, and I'm going to get my business up and running again. But I was still in the driver's seat. I hadn't thought one time about asking God for any direction. Mm-hmm. So I moved I moved to Hickory. And I was down there about three weeks until I got introduced to the latest meth. And then life got crazier. Uh, I'm brought a guy that was friends with Mandy and Brooke down mm-hmm. there to live with me for a little while. And then we ended up moving back up here and on Hendersonville Road, or I'm sorry, off of Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. in Hendersonville. Um, and I brought the business back, set it up in the garage. And I mean, I was, I was at this point not even enjoying getting high, but I couldn't stand not to be. Right. I mean, it was to that point where I was like, I couldn't stand the depression and all that, so I just stayed messed up all the time. I was drinking a huge amount of alcohol and to getting up and making it coolers of a morning and taking it to my to out to the garage so that I could go back and forth to the bathroom all day. It was just crazy. But anyway, that lasted for about a year, year and a half, and Jared's 14 now. So all that time from fourteen at that time, fourteen at this time, time, yeah, yeah. at that time. Okay, he was eight months old when I walked away from church. So up into the age of fourteen, I hadn't took him to church. Um, I was doing my thing, and addiction is so selfish. But um, I ended up going to church. Well, here's let me just back up just a little bit. He called me one night when I'd been out, uh, I don't know how many times, 10, 15 times, and left all these messages. Well, I was listening to messages. It was like 1.30 in the morning, and he was like, Mom, please call me when you get in. Please call me when you get in. So while I'm listening to the messages, he calls me. It's like 1.30 in the morning. And he's like, Mom, where have you been? And I'm like, Son, I've been out. What is wrong with you? He's like, I was worried sick about you. I mean, he you could hear it in his voice. And I said, what has happened? Have you and your dad been into an argument? What's going on over there? And he's like, no, Mom. He said, I was worried sick about you, and I'd like to know if something happened to you that you had God in your life. Wow. And I was like, okay. Son, what is wrong with you? But, I, you know. The buzz is gone. I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world? And his next question, that's 1.30 on Sunday morning. He says, can we go to church in the morning? And I'm like, son, you know, really? He's like, mom, I just really just, can we just go to church in the morning? I said, okay, I wasn't going to tell that child no. I said, I'll pick you up in the morning and we'll just go to my mom and dad's church and, you know, I'll get 
two checks. <laughs> I'll make them happy, and I'll make him happy, but I wasn't ready to change. So I picked him up. We went to their church. They were happy we were there, but now I wasn't going to dedicate myself to going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible study, because, I mean, you're really dedicated if you do that. We done Sunday morning, and um, I'll never forget the first message that that preacher preached was about being a light in the darkness. I've noticed later in my life that that's what God was allowing me. He was going to let me be one day. But um, about six weeks after we had started going to that church, Passion of the Christ had come out in the theaters, and their church was going to pay for everybody to go. My mom called, and she's like, we done got you tickets. We want you to go. And I'm thinking, okay. So sadly, I was probably not straight. I was probably messed up to death, but I went. But that was really stupid because, oh, my goodness, if you've never seen the film, it's it's incredible. I mean, it will burn. Yeah, it's— it's Yeah, seeing it straight is uh, <laughs> enough yeah, to I mean, get you. Yeah, I mean, it's a film, but, I mean, it's—yeah. It'll, it's it'll, the closest depiction of the crucifixion that I had ever seen in right. my life. There wasn't a dry eye in that place. My heart's up in my throat, you know, and I'm thinking, just get me out of here, you know. I get home, and that next morning, I'm standing out in my shop. I didn't sleep that night, and it's like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drink. I couldn't do any more drugs. I was just like, I, I don't even know, but God knew. So I stood in my shop, and I thought, I just need to ask for forgiveness, man. I need my life straightened out. I just, and then I don't know, something on the inside of me said, he's done it all already. And how selfish of me to ask him for anything else more than what he's already done. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ask. However, that was just the beginning. I mean, I feel like I, I can look back on it now and just see. It wasn't just a few weeks after that. The lady that was doing my books walked away because she couldn't understand where all the money was going while I was writing all these checks. And and they really, I had them, I thought I had them all fold, okay? And so I thought I was yeah. living this life. I, they all do, don't they? They, all, yes. <laughs> they do. They always think they got you fooled, but no, mm -hmm. we're not fooled. We know what's up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, I mean, to, even to your sister coming by, I mean, so many reached out. But um, the guy I was living with decided he wanted to leave me and uh, I began to destroy. I was like destruction. I, I became desperate. Um, I destroyed the house. I busted a cabinet door, ripped my arm open. I've still got a scar on my arm. Um, I threw all our clothes out in the yard. I'm, I mean, it was just all, it was terrible. I'd done everything that I had in my house as far as drugs go, as far as alcohol goes. And then I get a knock on the door. And it was a girl that had been escorted off our property about a year before by the police that wasn't even supposed to be there. And I opened the door, and she wanted to know if Rooster was there. I said, no. I said, why? And she said, well, I've got a bag of pills, and I want to see if you want to buy them. I said, I'll buy them. I didn't even do pills, um, rarely. Um, but I bought that bag of pills. There was about 20 or so pills in there. And it was, it was a strong tranquilizer. And I began to pop them and drinking and destroying the house. I was wrecking everything. I was pulling the curtains down. I'm awful. In the, in the midst of that, busted three phones. 
I drove to Sparkburg Highway over to buy a phone, called my mom at some point, don't remember the conversation, and she called my brother. She said, something is wrong with her. Please go check on her. Well, when he got there, I wasn't even there. I had drove down to what we call at that time in my life, the beer store, which is a convenience store, but that's I called it the beer store. And I pulled back in my driveway, and I thought, who is that? And I slide my car in sideways, and my brother gets in my face, and he's like, are you ready to go? And I thought, I didn't know if he was talking about if I was ready to go to heaven or, you know what? And he said, Janice, you. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. He <laughs> said, you need some help. Get in the car. We're going to get you some help. And... um I don't remember the ride to the hospital. I don't remember all that happened while I was there. But I remember standing in front of the cop car when I was outside and done the stiff arm thing saying, whoa, 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 what's going on? And he's like, just get in the car, Janice. He says, we're getting you some help. And they, I mean, he had to to go to the magistrate's office and get an IVC, which is involuntary commitment, had me involuntarily committed to ADAC at Black Mountain. I don't remember the ride out there. But I do remember when the lady opened the door, the receiving nurse was a lady that went to my mother's church. <laughs> For those that can't see it, she just rolled her eyes very heavily. <laughs> We've been expecting you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was so humiliating. But um, she was precious. And um, detox was was pretty interesting, what I remember of it. Um, it was not good. But about two days in— I, they done an assessment, you know, asked me, you know, what I, how they, they went through everything with me and said, you know what, you've got a problem and we're offering you rehab and it'll change your committal to a voluntary committal and it'll look better on your record. Well, I didn't know if I was, had legal issues because I was taken out there in the back of a police car and I had dope on me still. I mean, you know, so I didn't know. <laughs> and I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at God. I hate, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I've tried to check out. I was done. Mm-hmm. I, and if it had been up to me, that would have been the end of my life. Whew. So they put me over in the room on Friday, and, and there's this little girl. Now, I was 42 when I went to the drug rehab. She was young and a little bitty thing, and she was a heroin addict, was my uh, roommate. But that girl loved the Lord, and that's all she wanted to do is talk about God, and it made me so mad I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I don't hear all that. You know, I'm mad at God, too. And she started in on Friday. Well, you got to go to that church service with me on Sunday morning. Just, <laughs> she was so excited. you got to go. And I'm like, well, no, I, I've heard it all, and they can't tell me anything that I haven't already heard, so I'm, I'm done with that. All day Saturday, Sunday morning, she's in my face. you got to go. So the only reason— why I agreed to go was to shut her up, and that's what I told her. I said, "I'm not. Don't expect me to get anything out of this, and you know, I'm because I'm not. And but I'm going to go if you'll just shut up about it." That's how Cherry started going yeah. to church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cherry, gave, Cherry gave you that look. Like, <laughs> She's like, like, "I got one right I here." Had people that yeah. wouldn't <laughs> stop talking to me. It wasn't I, me. I just I, went. It was Alice. So she stayed all over. <laughs> yeah. So. If you ever get an opportunity to go to ADAC, you go down this long hall into room 18, and that's where the big meeting room is, and that's where they have church. So I walked down that hall with my arms folded, 
in my head thinking, preach me happy if you can, because I was raised in church, and I know that there was people that sit in that in the audience that could make that preacher have to plow, and I was going to make it hard on that preacher. I wasn't standing up during the dumb song service. I was going to sit there and just be a knot on the log. Well, I'm over there in the corner with my arms all folded. <laughs> By the way, she's old school. She's old school when you start talking about making a preacher plow. Like, that's old school. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Gotta make him plow. I'm going to make him plow this style. <laughs> Ground, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But anyway, I said my mom would have kicked my tail if she'd have seen how I acted in church that morning. Better but. get out them other horses because it ain't going to happen here. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But um, they started singing the church that came out there to do the church service. They started singing those old hymns that I hadn't heard in 14 years because my drug addiction was about 14 years. And I could not stop crying. Okay, and I'd been so mean to those girls in, in on our in our unit. And so I was trying to fight back the tears. I didn't want them to see me crying because, you know, I was still mean. And then the preacher gets up and he starts hammering, you know, man. And he's like, if there's still breath in your lungs, there's still hope for you. You hadn't went too far. You hadn't done too much. And you ain't even hated God enough that God won't bring you back to that place where— he can use you, and he'll forgive you. And he, I, I, it, 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 I don't know what it done to me. I mean, I'm thinking I was the only one in the room, and he was reading my book, and I'm thinking, oh. So my heart's up here in my throat, at pounding out of my throat, and I don't even remember standing up at the end of the service, but I, or how I got to point B from point A, but I do remember saying, you know what, God, I'm done. I'm fed up to here with my life. I tried to check out, and I'm still here. And if there's anything more salvage, and here I am. And I really didn't think there was because I was a gutter-crawling addict who wasn't fit for nothing to do anything. But that was March the 21st, 2004, about a quarter to 10 on a Sunday morning, and you've come too late to tell me that God don't restore. I didn't realize the miracle that took place that day till I got up on Monday morning and they wake you up early, like at 6 o'clock. And we're out in the room getting ready for breakfast. And I heard the birds singing. And it sounded like the bird was right on the windowsill. So I pull the curtain back, and I'm like, oh, my God, look how blue the sky is and how green the grass is. And I felt so alive. I don't even know how to explain it. And, I mean, it was a little bit to take in. You know, it's almost like love was leaking out my skin. I just wanted to hug all these girls, and I gave all my clothes away. I, I, it was just, that was a So you were just walking around naked? Yeah. Well, no, not, not completely. <laughs> That's where Billy went. I just said it for him. Love's leaking. Love was leaking That's awesome. I love that. I mean, it was, it was, I can't describe it. You know, I didn't realize how dead on the inside I was until I asked life back in and love back in and it was a miracle and my mom will tell you I mean for the first year of my recovery she's like it's a miracle we got Janice back she's a miracle so I fast forward well, I mean for a praying mom that never stopped praying seeing something like that what do you think she was seeing oh she's seeing answers how her knees were black and blue yes. she was wore out yes but she got to see her daughter do that she did Isn't that something my goodness yeah she on this side of glory on even. this side of glory yes exactly <laughs> right about a year later she heard my testimony Talk about for old the school. first time that's right that's right but she did she heard my testimony for the first time and i didn't forewarn her and she's like no wonder i woke up in the middle of the night two or three o'clock in the morning with this overwhelming fear 
that something had happened to you, and I'd pray, God, just keep her safe, keep her alive. I don't know where she's at or what she's doing, but just keep her alive. When I was in downtown Asheville in the one-way-in, one-way-out projects, buying crack at 3 o'clock in the morning by myself with my little pocket knife, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, anyway, God heard her prayers, yeah. and I'm so thankful for them. But, um, you know, I moved in with my brother. It was so crazy. He told me, he said, you know, I'm not going to— you're not going to go to a halfway house or nothing. We have done made plans for you to come live with us. And it the relationship that me and my brother had was strange just because he done his thing and him and his little family, they went to church and I was over here being a crazy woman and we only met in the middle at my mom and dad's occasionally. So that was, I mean, God just orchestrated every little thing when I look back on it. And that was a, that was a relationship was going to need to be uh, mended and healed and restored. So they let me, I lived there for two and a half years with them and got my business back up and running. And uh, your mom come and worked with me for a little bit during yeah, that time. That's right. And can I ask a question? Yes. I don't want to interrupt, but no. so how were Jared and Brooke doing in the midst of all this? Like, so whenever, you know, they're watching you kind of do your thing, right? And then all of a sudden there's this change. You know, how did how did the kids respond? Because I don't know. Yeah. Jared was thrilled. Brooke was thrilled. You know, Brooke and I, we struggled when yeah. when she was a teenager. We did. She needed a mom, and I was trying to be her friend. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that. We're best buddies today. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, and sadly, and I'm not proud of this, at the end of my addiction, I was partying with her. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I hate that, you know, thinking that's how sin blinds us from the truth when we we're doing stuff like that. You know, I thought I was doing her a favor and keeping her safe. That's yeah. ignorant. That's, yeah. You know, but um, I just thank God for what He's done for for me yeah. and how He has brought my life full circle. Um, I started, I done IOP when I first got out of the uh, drug rehab. They said what that, is that? It was, IOP? IOP, it's intensive outpatient Um it's um, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's three days a week, and it's just wrapped around recovery. You mm-hmm. just learn all kinds of coping skills and um, what drugs do your body and why your body craves drugs and blah blah blah. I mean, it was it was good. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I needed that. But what was so sweet when I got ready to discharge from ADAC? Um, one of the ladies that works there was going to Biltmore Baptist, and they had just started. I mean, it's so weird. I went into the rehab on the 16th. Their first Celebrate Recovery was um, on the 15th of March of 2004. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I really think, because if you do good there, apparently the staff talks about it, and they knew that I'd had a transformation while I was there. Um, And she says, I think you would do real well with this. And of course, it was on one of the nights that we were already, that I was doing IOP. So I had to wait. I I almost had nine months of sobriety before I got to go. But I'll never forget walking down that hall at Biltmore and and, uh, the guy stands up to welcome everyone. And he says, you know, if you're here for the first time tonight and you feel like that maybe you don't fit in or whatever, I just want you to know that God's got you right where he needs you. And I'm just crying, you know. (laughs) It was beautiful. Um, I love Celebrate Recovery. I went through the step study there. And by the time I started the step study and finished it, it wasn't about the drugs and alcohol anymore. It was about the healing that took place and became a leader there. I 
led a step study. I still got the running record of having a it. Ours lasted for almost three years. Wow. That's good. Those girls were dedicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, they don't normally last that long, but, you know, get women yeah. together talking. But Yeah. But anyway, so we um, celebrate recovery, and I was I was doing volunteer work up at Western Carolina Rescue Ministry at was at one time called the Martha Home, and I was doing a Bible study up there, and I was sponsoring ladies and just loved working with folks in recovery. Our church was going every Sunday to ADAC to do the services, and probably about five years ago, we started doing a detox, and so I, I was over that part, you know, and able to do the little sit-down Sunday school class and, and detox, but it was just awesome, and us still doing the church services out there, and we would still be doing them today, but COVID stopped that, but right. there could, we've, we're talking, there, it's in the talk about us coming back again, so now, we're what, proud about that. Will you tell me what that stands for, ADAC? It's another yes, one of those. Yes, I'm so sorry. It no, is an okay. acronym. I, I'm so sorry. Well, it's Julian F. Keith. Alcohol and Drug Abuse Treatment Center. Okay. So ADAC is the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Treatment Center. Okay. Yeah. And it's in Black Mountain. So state-funded, state-run, but they love the church service. So I'm hoping that we can get back out there. But I guess about five, six years ago, Ronnie had his last back surgery, and he had had four. That had made his fourth. And he worked at Kimberly Clark, and they told him that he was not going to be able to go back to work. And he was the one that carried our insurance, and he was the one that made most of the money. You know, I worked, had this little embroidery sh- shop, and it paid a few bills, but not—I um, didn't think we could live on that. So you're saying something that they don't—they're not aware of, because the last thing that they heard of was a different person, so Ronnie— Oh, I've, yeah, let me go back. See, we need to go back let just me, a hair. Let me back up just a hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you remember Ronnie was the first husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The last we heard was divorced. Yeah. 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 yeah, father of my children. And um, so we had both, when we divorced, we remarried other people. And his didn't last as long as mine did. But we both divorced those folks. And right after I got out of the rehab, Jared it wasn't two or three weeks because I found that little church that mm-hmm. after I got over my bad self that Sunday morning, I missed that part. <laughs> so it's in here. Yeah, yeah. But um, we started going to that church and he got, Jared got saved. I mm. mean, and he flat out, he, could, he couldn't wait to come home and tell his dad. And he started in on him because I got out in April. And he started in on him, Dad, I just want you to go to church with me. Just go to church with me. Well, Ronnie kept blowing him off. You know, he said, son, you know, I will one day. I will. Well, on Father's Day morning, he's like, Dad, just go to church with me. And he's like, I will. So he comes to church, and he was still in that place where he wasn't ready to change his life, but he come to satisfy Jared. So Jared played an active role in both of us getting our our lives back in, wow. in church. So he came, and he left the same way that he came. But he satisfied Jared. But a few weeks later, our pastor was going to be doing a tent revival in Georgia. And Ronnie hunted in Georgia all the time. And so me and Jared wanted to go, and but I didn't know anything about Georgia. I said, would you like to go with us? We're going to go down for the weekend and be down there for the—and he says, sure, that'll be a road trip. Well, that was all I'd heard till the day that we met to go down there. The Lord was dealing with him, and he had done promise the Lord that if he just let him make it down there, that he was going to rededicate his life to the Lord. And On the drive down? Uh, no, when we got down there. Okay. He's going what? 
So we got no. Him. What I'm saying is, he was feeling the conviction as he was driving. No, bef- the week before. Oh, the week before. Yeah, the week before. So <laughs> just, the Lord was already. Uh, the Lord make was a, already. Make a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming, Lord. Wait on me <laughs> now. On the calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what's so funny is that that I think him making that conscious decision. You know, God was already there. Yeah. God was going to take care of him. But um, we got down there and couldn't find it with the directions I had. Well, so I hadn't been around Ronnie, and I know in round we call it round one and round two. Round one, he was explosive. I mean, he had anger issues, and I was expecting him to just blow up. And I was like, let's just go home. It's okay. Let's just go home. I'm sorry that we got all the way down here. He said, Janice, let's just go get something to eat. Let's go get a room, and we'll find it Saturday morning. So we did. I mean, we were really close to where it was. So we found the tent, and that night, our preacher, I just love him. He is he's a hot man. I just love him to death. He was preaching about being a fanatic for Jesus, that, you know, we were fanatics about everything. But he was up there running around on the platform, his on the chairs and everything. And um, before the end of the service, um, he had the altar call, and Ronnie went down and ded- rededicated his life to the Lord. And that's when he told me on the way home that night, he said, I promised, you know, the Lord, if he just let us get down here, that I was going to turn my life back over to him. So he wasn't going to leave. When you're like, nah, let's just go back home. He had something else in his mind. He did, and I I didn't know that. (laughs) Isn't that great? It's just crazy. So, you know, he starts coming to the church, and he plays guitar. So it wasn't a few weeks till he was in playing with the band, you know, just getting up there and playing with them. And finally got invited to play in the worship band. And then he started saying, well, why don't we just get remarried? Why don't we just get remarried? And I'm like, mm. I'm good. You're good. Let's just, you know, let's just work on us. Let's work on our, our, our walk with the Lord. That was important to me. And, I, and yeah. I, I mean, God was really doing an amazing work in my life, and I didn't want anything to mess that up. And so my dad ended up his— Started having some kidney problems, had kidney failure, and it was just a bad day. And it was around Christmas time, and we get to Fats. We went to eat after we'd been over to my mom and dad's, and we're sitting there eating, and he pushes a box across the table. <laughs> and he opens, and this ring's in him. Yeah. He takes no for an answer. Yeah. Uh, you no know, an he's a man that makes and executes a plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So— uh, you know, and I said, okay. Wait, he proposed at Fats? He did. Wow. I, I, that but was you know, it's I not had. there anymore. No. Uh, the other one in Inca Canary is. Oh, oh, is that where it was? Yeah. Oh. That's oh. where it was, yeah. Not the one in here. So okay, the one in Inca Yeah. But, I mean, it's got three big diamonds in it. He says, I loved you then, I love you now, and I'm going to love you forever. Wow. I mean, he never stopped loving me, you sure. know? I mean, we were just, we were kids when we met, and, you know. And nobody else could stand to live with us anyway, so it just made more sense for us to be together. But um, I think y'all are adorable, just so you know. Thank you. So, I mean, it's like the end of May, and he's like, are we ever going to set a date? You know, and I was like, well, why don't we just get married on our old anniversary, June the 10th? Uh, you know, that way you won't ever forget it. And so I had like two weeks to plan this wedding. And... um so we did. We got remarried again on June 10th. And so we'll be married 16 years this year. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I was I was thumbs up making sure that the recording was still going. I'm oh, sorry. good. Okay. So, you know, I told you my dad's kidney started failing him. Yeah. Ended up three and a half years into my recovery, able to donate a kidney to my dad. Oh, wow. 
I so did. because of the recovery and then you were clean, then you could yes. give the kidney. Yeah. I mean, Man. and they put you through it to wow. make sure that you're, and I, w- I was given a clean bill of health and was told at the rehab that I had done things to my body that was irreversible. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's almost God knew. Yeah. And I, it was just crazy. So I was able to have my dad for another five years. So, yeah. Cherry, uh, what's the name of that song that you sing, uh, When There Is No Way, He Makes a Way? Oh, did I mention? Yeah. <sighs> did I mention? That's a good song. Yeah. That's I a great she song. Sings that song. Yeah. But, you know, after my dad died and um, it took me a minute to get things rolling again, you know, Brooke, I'll never forget it one day at, at the shop. She's like, Mom. I need you here. I know, you know, you're broken. I was so broken for about three months. I just couldn't even think straight. Sure. But I, I promised God that I wasn't going to back up. I was going to keep doing what He called me to do. I wasn't going back like I did when Gary died. And um, so when Ronnie, back to Ronnie now that yeah. <laughs> I mentioned him again, um, <laughs> had his last back surgery and couldn't go back to work, I thought, well, I'm going to have to find a job to have insurance because, you know, you're getting older and you got to have insurance. Right. And I knew that nobody was going to hire me just because I'm a nice person and I learn really fast. I was going to have to have a piece of paper, you know. Sure. So I went to AB Tech and I talked to them and shared my passions and started the track of human service and all the substance abuse certificates that I could earn and got my bat or got my associate's degree and I've done really well, unbelievably. I you know, at the, at my age, I let old people go back to school, you know. <laughs> so my I love it, my advisor. She said, Janice, you've done so good. I don't think you need to stop here. I think you need to just go on and, you know, while the ball's rolling and and go ahead and get your bachelor's because you can, you know, really Pick your job then. So I went to Montreat, and I mean, AB Tech to Montreat, it was an incredible difference, polar opposites yeah. uh, with the liberalism and stuff that goes on at AB Tech, and then being able to be at Montreat, and we pray in class, and yeah. my first class was studying the Bible. It was just amazing. Wow. So yeah, so now I'm working at Neil Dobbins in the detox center as a case manager and being able to share my story every day. I keep my peer support uh, certification pre- up and present because you know at that at that you can share your story if it matters, you know. If it, yeah. But folks, they they'll lean in and listen when you're you know they know that you've been there, been you know experienced something maybe that they're going through. Sure. So. So if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you got your bachelor's? Oh, let's say I, I graduated in 2020, and I— So four, so 29. You were 29 years old. Got I, it. I was supposed to be 59. Isn't that something? Is that crazy? See? Say I'm it out loud. You. That's amazing. I know. It was, I was 59. 59 and got her bachelor's degree. Yeah. Boom. Wow. So let me hear you folks who say, I can't get it done. I can't do it. <laughs> I watched you suffer. I remember. I mean, it was hard on yeah, you. You, I mean, you was. was trying to run a business, and you were also trying to go to school, and you were trying to— That, that is started. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. But you did it. Look what you've done. I did it. I know. And then a year ago, I, I wasn't even looking for this— Blessing that that's you know when we're doing God's work it just you know that just it just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been invited to go to a training out at the Henderson County Rescue Squad mm-hmm. and uh, or the EMS the that new building that they got in Hendersonville and it was called Pastoral Crisis Intervention and my 
clinical supervisor at RHA was the one that said, I think you'd probably enjoy that. And so it was a two-day training. They paid for me to go. They paid for the they paid for the class and all that. The second day we were there, we were doing um, we'd break off groups and kind of talking over scenarios and stuff. And the end of the day, this guy hands me a card. He said, now, Janice, he said, I don't want you to give me an answer now. I want you to go home and pray about it. But I'd really love for you to join the ranks of chaplains here at the EMS. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> anyway, so I don't think much about it. I got home and I handed the card to Ronnie laughing, said, you know, this is what they're um, wanting me to do. And he said, I think it's a great idea. I think you should do it. So he, t- he calls Preacher Carl and he said, you're not going to believe this. And he said, let's plan it. Let's just do it. <laughs> and he made, I mean, it was such a sweet service that day. I had no idea what that was going to do. And go ahead and get me ordained. He said, you've been in the field for 17 years doing what you do, you know. So I was ordained a chaplain a year ago yeah. and volunteer at Advent on one week in a month doing. Yeah. You also did very, something very special for my sister. Oh, I did. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I was able to marry her and her honey. Yeah. It was really cool. Seeing <laughs> Janice was up there, and she actually married my sister and Andrew, and it was awesome. I did. It was so cool. It was. Yeah. That. I mean, that was full circle too. Got video of some of it. Ah, uh, <laughs> that was my that was my sister's wedding. Yes. You were there. I you know. Were there. I was there. That's oh, what wow. I said. We got that video of it. Yeah. That was the other. That's right. We got all of it. We got it all. We did good. We didn't get all of mine, but we got all the mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Halloween wedding that you. Do what? Your sister got married on Halloween? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she got married on Halloween. Right? I don't know. Mandy. Was it, the yeah, it was October. It was like right around the Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it... you were complaining about it, right? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions at all for Janice? Because I, you know, I could ask you a million, but I'm not going to get that personal on this. But, you know, I'm... Did you, always... uh, you ever talk to that, that preacher from rehab or, you know, you remember who he is or anything? Oh yes, that's where I met my church. I did, did I miss I missed that part. Didn't yeah, I? yeah. After the service that day, I walked up front and I said, "Where's you guys' church at?" And they wrote the name of their church on a corner piece of paper, which I still have. Words of Life Tabernacle. So when I moved in with my brother, I said, "I've got to find this little church." And here's another thing, how God just orchestrated that whole thing. He said, Janice, it's 10 minutes up the road. I mean, they live off Brevard Road, and Words of Life is off of Brevard Road. That's, Car- that's Carl, right? Yeah, Carl yeah. Bishop. You know yeah. him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we uh, took some mulch out when he had uh, tent revivals. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We delivered mulch out there. <gasps> yeah. Carl's Love a super him. great guy. Yes, he is. And yeah. see, God knew that if I was going to— stay in church and be dead. I was going to need to be around that presence of the Lord. And I know we've got something so special there. Yeah. I felt it when I worked, when I was at Candler House of Prayer. I didn't understand, fully understand the presence of God or yeah. that, I don't know, tangible feeling that, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. But, you know, I'm blessed to be in a church that— I know when I went there and when he when Carl was preaching and I recognized it, yeah. like that whole, it felt like electricity in the room. Yeah. What I feel. And you, Hooper's Creek has is very similar. Sometimes you'll hear some old woman shout and it'll yeah. just hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Get you to know. plowing. <laughs> Get to plowing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 You didn't stuff. know that man was there to plow. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. well, I really appreciate that's you awesome. coming here. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, just, I, I want to bring up one more thing. Yeah, yes, do it. Please she, she, you mentioned when you went to work in alone how uh, 
how that was a problem for your addiction. And, and it made me think of what we went through the last two years and how many people are going to be, are having that problem or coming out of having that problem or in the middle of having that problem. Like that, that two years, everybody's working from home, yep. lot, yes. not much Isolated. human contact, huge. Like the repercussions of that on people, we're going to be seeing that for decades. That's yeah. an excellent point. Yeah. The, just the echoes of that will live with us for the rest of our lives. Yes. And, and exactly in the type of cases she's talking sure. about where you're, oh, yeah. you're alone and that makes things like especially drinking or whatever but you know that makes all that stuff like real easy and yeah. if you're listening to this easy. and that's you reach out to us because we've got places you can go and we've yes. got people that care i got yeah. some resources y'all if yeah if anybody is looking for help you can send an email to info at com, and you can leave a message there i check it quite often and so if there's any uh, if you need help with um, addiction or anything, whatever it may be, just reach out to us. And uh, if you have a problem with drugs and you're in this local area, I will send you Janice's way because she knows how to handle it. And it's, it's never too late. No, that's right. never too late. It's never just, too late. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's amazing. As long as you're breathing. That's There's right. still breath in your lungs. I thought I was, was so curious happy. about that preacher. I was like, that man, that man knew what he was doing there. Yeah, he did. Oh, it yeah. sounds like that. That man knew what he was doing there. Yes. So. Well, you know, um, you said something on the way in here, and I don't know if you know. Do you know who Janice is? Okay, so, but she knows who your husband is. She knew, uh, you know what? I she was going to ask her afterwards. I was going to say, by the way, do you happen to know my husband, Rodney Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. That was the one testimony that I did listen to. And wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good story. I love his one-step program, story. the way he says it. Stepped out on faith. That was good. Stepped out of that aisle, terrified, with pants that was itching him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got too small. Just, what actually happened was that Cherry just washed his pants the night before and <laughs> made sure that they shrunk. No. Nah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, thank you so much, Janice, for being here. I appreciate yeah, thank that. You. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Good story. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put, we'll, I can't wait to put this out for everybody. And uh, Billy and Ralph and Andy and Cherry, thanks for all being here. And thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Represent. I like that solemn represent. That was nice. <laughs> represent. <laughs> Wong. <Whoa. laughs>